Welcome to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast, the podcast where we learn from cybersecurity experts how to stay safe, private, and secure on the cloud and in code. CSCP is hosted by Francesco Cipollone, your cybersecurity friend with a passion for all things cyber and sharing stories of other professionals with you. This episode is sponsored by AppSec Phoenix, the next generation application security platform, enabling organizations to run application security programs in a smart way. Visit www.appsecphoenix.com to learn more. And that's how, that's how I got my first job. And then, I, yeah, I worked, uh, worked for the government doing some, some interesting stuff for a few years. Worked for uh, a few consultancies, was the security architecture lead uh, for CGI and some, some big MSPs, consultancies. Uh, a lot of ad hoc work, went to consulting for a while, actually left the industry for a, a few years because I was just really fed up with it. And now I'm, I'm back with kind of a fresh take on things and I'm, uh, I'm really loving it. So thank you again for, for coming. And this is Francesco, your host. I'm the director for NSC42. This is a consultancy that offers cybersecurity service, as well as one of my clients that I'm leading and it's not secret for anyone, is HSBC. So I'm head of the cyber strategy and architecture practice for them. And also head of Cloud Security Alliance, big sponsor for Women in Cyber, as everybody knows. And we're doing this to extend the knowledge and invite people to share their opinion, liberal opinion. <laughs> Opinions can be dangerous. Opinion can be dangerous, as we've all known and seen, and we're going to stop commenting at that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Greg, do you want to share some good and bad story in your history, aside from, aside from the, the, the feds coming and knocking at you too? Because I'm definitely going to want to know more about that. Uh, good and bad stories. Uh, there's so many, so many stories. Um, my, my main, so I'm going to say my 22 years in cyber off and on, uh, the first 20 were actually fun in some ways, but also very frustrating. There's a lot of dysfunction in, in our industry. that I, I don't think the people trying to get into the industry are quite aware of. Uh, and I like to talk about it a lot because I, I don't really know how to tell you how to get into the industry in many ways. I can tell you how to improve your odds and how to progress, uh, but getting in, the fact that people are struggling to get in at all when we're saying that there's, you know, uh, two, three million people shortage and this and that. And every day I've got dozens of people like asking me, like, can you please help me get a job? Uh, and there's smart people with degrees and everything. 
so there's there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of issues in, in this industry, and that's that's caused me a lot of frustration. And I think I think there's a lot of negativity. There's a lot we're doing in information security that's really really not helping us. Uh, and I have so many bad stories about that. And I'll just tell you the last one, uh, which was my last job. Uh, big, uh, massive MSP outsourcing company in the UK. And I walked in there and within half an hour, I was like, There's some, something's wrong here. There's no way uh, we're actually doing what we're supposed to be doing. And sure enough, it was just every single turn, every single stone you turned, you, you just found an absolute disaster story. And the, um, the client was actually so thrilled that I was finding uh, all these issues and actually having a strategy and, and plan to rectify them because they'd been struggling for years that after three months, they, uh, they asked the managing director to, uh, that said I should be promoted and, or at least to report directly to the managing director. And the, uh, I got fired by the division of CISO like literally a day or two later. Uh, just because she didn't like that. So there's, there's a lot of, uh, I think that's part of cyber because you, if you have to build a web server and it doesn't work, the phone starts ringing, people complain, you notice it right away. Whereas you can claim to be doing security but not be doing anything at all. And no one really notices until it's too late. And in bigger companies, there's a lot of that kind of hidden empire building culture. It's yeah, it's it's really not doing us any favors. Yeah, that's 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 a quite strong point. But I think we have we have some of that because it's it's an industry that has a high demand of people, high demand of uh, we have a big big gap. So not everybody is, is is an industry leader or an industry expert. Or the boards ultimately the board might not be happy with taking a specific risk, or it might not be on on the agenda of a specific person. And ultimately, as you said, it's not really clear up until. A fire explode. I think we can we can do if you really really care. You know, you want to do a good job. You want to get the most out of the resource you have. You want to use a balanced amount of resource. Uh, you know, I have. I'm at the point where before I ask anything from anyone, I do something for them first, or I build a relationship mm -hmm. first. And when I need funding for something, I make sure that the way I'm doing it. You know, you know what? I'm going to implement a tool to give me visibility. But I'm going to let IT use that tool and replace these two tools. And yeah, I'm going to spend 200 grand, but it's actually going to save us 350 a year. So I'm actually saving us money by deploying this tool. Uh, and, and the maturity of security, especially, but most of IT is, is so low that you can actually find a lot of cost savings. And I think if you do security properly, you're focusing on first getting visibility, uh, then getting alignment. And if you do those things, you actually end up reducing costs significantly because you identify so much waste. Uh, so you can have some real like positive financial and, and business benefits to doing that. That's interesting because security is always is always seen as a cost. Yeah. As a as a tax on the organization. I will i tend to agree, it's just when security is too much, uh we uh, as leader we tend to actually make it easier and hence reduce the cost to go to go in production. But fundamentally it's it's a risk management exercise as always. Yeah, I mean I I, I don't even look at Everyone talks about you know risk management, which I, I really dislike how we do risk management nowadays, to be honest, because it's, it's become such a, a heavy, cumbersome paper discipline. I just go out and secure absolutely everything I can. And everyone says, oh, that's impossible. That's too expensive. It's, it's really not. If you do things efficiently, if you look at root causes, you know, stop firefighting and see what's coming up the pipeline and, and fireproof that instead. Make sure that your, your processes and your developments, that that's secure. That way, stuff that makes it into the environment is secure and you don't have to, you know, all the, the issues stop. 
flow of issues stop, you no longer need a SOC or you know, with staff with 100 people that responding to millions of alerts because you just don't have them anymore. There's just, if you go proactively, you can just get a much, much higher volume of work done than most people think is possible with uh, less effort than most people spend doing risk management exercises alone. Uh, so so you're, saying, you're saying just to, that it's fundamentally just the DevOps, the DevOps mentality, just do, 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 and things will improve over time. You'll learn over time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. I, I, I mentioned this a lot with like DevSecOps where we've agreed that you get security in right from the beginning. And it seemed, in DevSecOps, that seems to be completely acceptable. Uh, but in every other aspect of IT and business, we don't see it that way for some reason. Uh, it's very reactive. It's very responsive. We're, we've, we've almost given up on securing stuff because people just say, oh, it's not possible. And we're just moving to the, the detection and response model. And it's like, well, that's a really expensive way of doing it. Um, so I, I think you could actually secure stuff. Uh, you'd be proactive. But to be proactive, you have to understand what's going on. And that means engaging people, building relationships, understanding what the business processes are, what the systems are, what the data flows are, what's happening to them, uh, and then building personal relationships with all those people so that you actually have that collaboration. And we, most security people are just hiding in their security department, uh, you know, talking crap about people about, look how dumb they are because they haven't secured this or that, you know, not building any collaboration and just moaning about stuff. I mean, that, how many times have you just gotten a few security people uh, in, in a room and they start talking amongst themselves and they just talk crap about absolutely everyone that isn't security? They talk about, about users. They talk about, uh, about the board. I, I've got, you know, I started here and I was like, so-and-so is a blocker. This and this is difficult. And I'm just like, those people come to my desk every day. They ask me for stuff. Uh, they're surprised by my responses. It's always a positive experience. We laugh, we smile. I don't see them as blocking anything at all. Uh, sometimes I need something from them. I ask, they give it to me. Uh, I need money for something. I justify the, the purchase. I get it. You know, having uh, our, uh, our CEO, basically, or vice chancellor, buy me coffee next week because I approach her about something. It's, it's just about relationships and being proactive. I, li I like that aspect. I like, like that you stress the human aspect because I think being a very... Being in STEM, being a very technical field, we tend to focus on the logical stuff and we don't realize that organization and business is made by human yeah. and human are driven by emotion. And if we don't make it as an emotional, as a, as a human to human relationship, security will keep on failing. Absolutely. If you try to mandate logical stuff, I absolutely agree with you. It's like if we keep on ranting and being segmented and siloed, that's effectively what DevOps actually means to smash the silos because. You had that stuff from security, but you also have that stuff from the developer talking trash about security and operation, and then operation talking trash about security and, and developer. So I agree with you. If, you. if you don't realize security is all about human, you just fail. This episode is brought to you by the generosity of AppSec Phoenix Limited. AppSec helps startups and enterprises solve complex software security problems by using smart data aggregation and complex machine learning software. Discover how AppSec Phoenix helps CISO and developers remove friction and maximize the use of DevSecOps professionals at www.appsecphoenix.com. AppSec Phoenix is the new and smart dev-first way to manage your software vulnerability. Follow the tag, hashtag AppSecSmart. It's supposed to be people 
process and technology. And we're doing that backwards. We're, we're obsessed with tech and yeah. the sheer number of vendors and solutions. And then we do very little process if we're often. It's, it's you know, a piece of paper in a drawer somewhere. And that's, that's, you know, we don't think through our processes. We just do the bare minimum documentation. It's, it's never mature. And you, you know, you're always digging it up years later, trying to piece together, like, what the hell did they mean when they wrote this? And then when it, the people part, well, we don't even touch that at all. Uh, and you're supposed to be doing it the other way because you're not, you cannot get your process to work well if you don't talk to the people that are supposed to be running that process. And if you don't understand the process, then you can't implement the, the technology or you don't have a process to maintain the technology. And if you don't have to pay, and I agree. And as, as uh, Ivano was saying, nowadays we have so many tools and technique to read and learn. So where would you even start? And that's why, be, because we stress too much on the technology, but we don't realize that um, we don't have that many choice in... Uh, in how to talk to people, how to interact with people, or how to be human. I mean, I don't know your experience uh, being from, from a university, maybe the humanistic aspect and the emotional aspect is a little bit higher, but normally I don't see that in the normal training schedule of no, companies. No, it's, it, it's and to, to be honest, it's not, I, I don't know, I feel, I don't know if it's me, because I, I, have, I have been kind of preaching this approach for a while, but that whole time... It started after that last job where the environment was so toxic that I basically got fired for doing my job. And there, like, literally absolutely everything was as broken as possible. Hmm. Politics, organization, money, or, you know, absolutely everything. And, but in my nature, like, when I have a problem, I, I like to figure out what that problem is. I've never listened to the best practices or the frameworks or this is how you do it. I've always been a problem solver and, you know, I take my cars apart. It doesn't just apply to IT. It's just a, a mentality. There's not, you know, a whole car. If you know how to screw and unscrew something, you can take a whole car apart and put it back together. So I know, I know. Few, few of my 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 friends, uh, Daniel has second <laughs> takes all the all his free time to actually take apart his his cars, and he has plenty, so plenty of time to to do that. But I like I like the approach. I like the inquisitive approach because I think as as technology can take also people apart. Yeah. And you can try to understand the rationale, put yourself in their shoes and, and not be angry about when you receive a no, but try to go behind that no. Well, just to finish the story, after that, I was like, okay, you know, I was working on the solutions to do, to fix all these problems and building the relationships around people that were really difficult or corrupt almost uh, and this and that. And then I, that's when I went on this kick of, you know what, this is what we need to do because I keep running into security organizations and this was the worst I've ever been with. But so many of them where you, you have this type of issue, like you got to be people focused, you got to build the relationships. But I was consulting the whole time, you know, doing very short engagements. And when I start the university, now we've got maturity levels zero, there's no security organization, we've got you know, dozens of buildings over a massive area, all kinds of different schools, everything. The whole academic side is auto-solutioning themselves, whatever they can think of. It's an absolute nightmare uh, in terms of shadow IT and stuff. And I was like, I'm going to have to apply this approach now that I've been preaching and I'm going to get my ass handed to me. This is going to be a lot more difficult than I've been making it out to be. And I'm really going to put my, my money where my mouth is. It's actually worked out. I'm not joking far better than I could have ever expected. It's just unbelievable, the change. I mean, you know, board meetings within a couple of months, everything you ask for, great relationships, stuff is getting done. Just, I've, been, I've been here for two and a half months. The amount of progress that we've made is, is amazing. It's, it's amazing. And it's, it's mostly from a strategic. I mean, I've got a three-year plan to build up an organization and a framework. And 
you know, we're at the very infancy of that. You can't even see it, but the undercurrent is starting. There's a lot of like the, the low hanging fruit are being done. Team is building up uh, and we're doing all this while actually reducing costs on, on the university. While, you know, we're, we're spending more on security, but every time we spend X on security, we make sure it reduces more costs somewhere else. So yeah, we're actually, let alone from a, a risk cost perspective, from a, a pure balance sheet, uh, you know, and that's part of the relationship. That's part of the goodwill of wanting to, to help the university without taking anything away from it. Mm. Uh, and, and management sees that. Management sees that you're really bending over backwards to make things happen, to not have any negative impact. And that gets them, you know, that gets you their goodwill. Like if, if you need to go and ask them something, they're like, you wouldn't be here asking me anything if you didn't really, really need it. So what is it you need? So in, in that situation, would you agree or disagree that we need a strong communication of whatever we're doing to show management progress or were they going to see it by themselves? Um, you, you do need to communicate. You do need to let them know what you're, what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Very important how you communicate that because you know, they're not security people. The board's not a bunch of security people. You got to communicate strategically. You got to, you know, one of my, one of the very first things that, that happened when I started here was we had within three weeks, we had a, an internal audit, uh, by RSM, who's an outside auditor, but acts as our internal audit. And they report directly to the board and the audit committee. So even though we were quite behind on what needed to be done, that was my first opportunity to get some exposure to the board. Because the board had no idea who I was and that I'd even been hired. But then, you know, you had a three-page or a one-page audit report or executive summary page on the report. And one-third of it was talking about the new head of information security, Frameworks being put in place, great foundation for you know consistent mature growth, blah 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 blah, and that like well okay who who is this person that our internal auditor is you know is is saying these positive things about? So then you can walk into your first board meeting and you know your role is actually just to sit there in the corner and shut up, but mm -hmm. they know who you are and they report with good good things about you and then they start asking you questions and I explain the strategy and you know they ask me on a scale from from one to 10, where are we at? And they'd only seen the audit report, which we closed, you know, 85% of the issue. So they're thinking, oh, we're in a really, really good place. I'm like, actually, we're a, you know, I'm not gonna give you the number, but it's, it's more than one, but that's about it. <laughs> and everyone was there very, very quiet. And we actually had the interim CIO and the, the CIO who just came back from leave. And they both just kind of looked at me like, we're gonna kill you. Uh, <laughs> But then I, I explained to the board, you know, why that is. It's like, well, you know, our cloud stuff, we've got the capability, but we haven't got the maturity yet. We're not fully deployed yet. Our internal infrastructure, it's hardly surprising. We, we have this massive visibility gap. Uh, and, you know, we need to, to align ourselves with all the stakeholders and all the, the business process owners and discover what they're doing and start building that security around them and, and getting visibility to the estate. And not like the sky is falling, give me two million pounds now, I need to deploy all these solutions is like, no, uh, what I'm doing now, honestly, for the next six months, I, I'm not going to ask you for any money. I'm just building the relationships, getting the information, uh, starting to you know, fill in the picture. And, you know, just a calm, measured approach. And that makes sense from a business perspective. You, you've got some credibility. Uh, and it's always better to say, you know, typically you've got like 15 minutes per quarter with the board, maybe. Mm -hmm. 
and I'm, I'm lucky enough that I grabbed our, our VC and she offered to buy me a, a cup of coffee. So I'm going to get an extra half hour to explain stuff just to her. Um, but you're going to have so many things you want to communicate in such a small amount of time. And you just kind of have to let, if you, if you work really hard, they will hear about your success. You know, even if it's just a casual mention once a month or something, your name pops up in a conversation. That's all you need. You, you have to condense. You're way better off understating and being very modest as to what you're doing than, than being hyperactive and screaming and, and crying wolf, which is what I think a lot of security people do. They're very, very alarmist, and it's, it's, it's the boy crying wolf thing. It's, it just loses credibility. Thank you for tuning in. This is again your host, Francesca. We're going to keep the conversation with Greg in the second part. We're going to explore more the communication with the board, how to talk with these high stakeholders, and a little bit more on mentorship, the challenge that we face in the industry. So stay tuned and thank you for listening. This is Francesco. Thank you for joining me. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcast and post it on social media tagging Cybersecurity Cloud Podcast for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Discover other episodes at www.cybersecuritypodcast.com.